You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeuseof.com. Welcome to the show. My name is Christian Corley, and later on, I will be joined by my colleagues Ben Stegner and Gavin Phillips, and we'll be um, I'll be presenting you a collection of uh, tips and tricks that we haven't used previously on the show. This week, we're going to go through a bit of news. Then we've got the tips and tricks, and then uh, that point in the show where we usually have the recommendation. Um, I've got something slightly recommended, but also. It's a bit of a rant, if I'm honest. It's a bit of a soapbox moment, but uh, we'll get to that bit in a short while. The first thing we need to talk about today is Be Real and how Instagram is attempting to deal with it. Now, Be Real is a kind of a spontaneous social network app essentially. Uh, It's an app that Nudges uses to share spontaneous snaps from their daily lives and is proving quite popular with uh, Gen Z and millennial users, a group that Instagram is trying to increase its appeal for, which is why it's going to be attempting to copy Be Real. In an unoriginal twist, Instagram is testing a feature that mimics that core premise of Be Real. It's nothing new. Instagram has a uh, habit of copying competitors. Um, This time around, I mean, you can probably guess what's coming. It's a new feature called Candid Challenges. It's spotted by reverse engineer Alessandro Paluzzi. Uh, These challenges will send users a notification to share a photo on Instagram at a different time each day. Users will then have two minutes to capture and share a photo. Now, it might be that it is a little bit copycat, but it's a cool feature. And Be Real isn't something that uh, older users, like myself, uh, might be keen on using. I mean, I'd, I use Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp. And that's it. I don't use Snapchat. I don't use TikTok. TikTok's not for old people. TikTok's for kids, you know? So, and when I say kids, obviously, I mean 16-year-olds to under 30s, I don't mean school-age children, because no school-age children should be on any social network, as I'm sure uh, you would agree. Now, the Be Real-esque feature, if this happens, uh, would bring Instagram closer to its photo-sharing routes, which many users want to see. Um, But it is another unoriginal feature that uh, they're, uh, quote-unquote, borrowing from elsewhere. I don't know what you think about it, but... uh, if I start getting Be Real-esque requests from uh, Instagram, these candid challenges, I think I might uh, give it a go, see what happens. It's very difficult to uh, gauge how it might turn out, of course. I could be cooking, I could be shopping. Well, that's boring, isn't it? Who wants to see photos of people shopping? Ha, huh. well, there's an entire niche out there for that, so uh, who knows? Uh, but anyway, so that's that. Now, slightly more serious news now. And... Android users, beware. 35 apps may have infected millions of Android devices, and you really need to check your phone now. Security research firm 
bit defender. So this is one of the big guns. So we can take this pretty seriously. I uh, have discovered that uh, 35 malicious apps with more than 2 million downloads combined are attempting to steal personal information and showing those goddamn unwanted ads on your phone. The apps are spread across a range of popular categories, from GPS apps to photo filters to wallpapers. They've racked up tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars each and use a number of sneaky tactics to avoid identification. If you have them on your phone, you really do need to uninstall them now. Bitdefender reports that the apps hide their presence on the device by renaming themselves and changing their icon before they start serving these aggressive ads. Now, ads aren't uncommon among Android apps, but uh, these particular apps use their own framework to serve them, which means they could also serve malware. also means that they're difficult to deal with if you were to use such a thing as an ad blocker. Some of the apps may conceal their presence by changing their name and app icon after they've been installed. One example Bitdefender draws attention to is the app GPS Location, which changes its name to Settings in an attempt to make it harder to find. We've got a list of the full set of apps that you need to look for that are all available through the Play Store currently. You can install them in the usual way, as such. So we've got Walls Light Dash Wallpapers Pack, Big Emoji Dash Keyboard, Grad Wallpapers dash 3D Backdrops, Engine Wallpapers dash Live and 3D, Stock Wallpapers dash 4K and HD, Effect Mania dash Photo Editor, Art Filter dash Deep Photo Effect, Fast Emoji Keyboard, Create Sticker for WhatsApp, Math Solver dash Camera Helper, Photo Pix Effects dash Art Filter, LED Theme dash Colorful Keyboard, Keyboard dash Fun Emoji comma Sticker, Smart Wi-Fi, my GPS location, image warp camera, art girls wallpaper HD, cat simulator, smart QR creator, colorize old photo, GPS location finder, girls art wallpaper, smart QR scanner, GPS location apps, volume control, secret horoscope, smart GPS location, Animated Sticker Meister. Animated Sticker Master, beg your pardon. Personality Charging Show. Sleep Sounds. QR Creator. Media Volume Slider. Secret Astrology. Colorize Photos. And Phi, that's PHI, 4K Wallpaper, Dash Anime HD. For tips on how to minimize your risk of malware, check our link to that article in the show notes. There are many things you can do to avoid being affected by malicious apps. Check for any red flags before you download. Many of the apps here have large numbers of downloads and no reviews. That is a major red flag in any scenario, but particularly on Android. And you will notice from that list of titles I gave you, those app titles, they're all very similar and they're all clearly trying to uh, hook a particular type of user who wants to achieve a particular outcome from their use of of the app so do tread carefully when using those apps the next portion of the show will feature myself chatting with ben stegner and gavin phillips on a number of tech tips and tricks to help you make better use out of the gadgets in front of you how do you cast from your phone to an xbox one or xbox series x or Series S, 
you've got your phone in your hand and you want to share a video with gathered friends or family. There's no wireless streaming option on your TV. You don't have a Chromecast, you have no Fire TV, you just have an Xbox. Is there a way to cast to an Xbox console? Well, yes, there is. There's lots of ways, actually. Um, there's a feature built into most Android phones that relies on Miracast. Um, we don't really call mention Miracast anymore because it's been folded into various other uh, wireless uh, HD streaming features. Samsung lab labels it Smart View. LG refers to wireless display. Sony calls it mirroring. And HTC, should you own a modern HTC device, and there are a handful abound, uh, call it HTC Connect. And all you need to do is go to your settings or your quick launch menu and launch the app that does that whilst playing your video and it should detect your Xbox and allow you to mirror the display. Now, what if you're using an iPhone? Well, AirPlay is built in, which enables instant streaming or mirroring from your device to an Xbox on the same network. You will need a third-party app. Uh, there's a couple available that are worth checking out. Air Server is $20. It is an expensive app, but it supports AirPlay, Miracast, and Google Cast, which means you can mirror iOS, macOS, Chromebook, Android, and even Windows 10. Air Receiver, on the other hand, is cheaper. It has a free trial, but it is limited to AirPlay and Google Cast. Now, if you just need to cast to your Xbox from your iPhone, that should do the trick. There's one other thing I'm going to talk about here, and that's how to cast to an Xbox using the YouTube app on your mobile device. Before you kick off with that, you need to make sure that the Xbox and your mobile device are both on the same network and you are signed into the same account on both devices. So signed into the YouTube app with the same account on both devices. Once you've done that, on your phone, find your video, tap cast and it will display the cast menu and then you simply select the xbox device in the list and it should start playing through your tv via the xbox console it's as simple as that there's a few more things that you can do but and they're explained further in the article in the show notes but uh, it's happy to see i've just updated this and it, i was pleased to see that very little has changed with this it's still very simple to do yeah, this is the kind of thing where it might work when a console first comes out and then they say, oh, no, just kidding. And then in an update, it, they just pull that functionality and then you're left out to dry, which stinks. So well, when I'm, I first right. wrote it, I think I was using Android 8 and now we're up to Android 12 and it's still working in you know the phone side of things as well. So that's also good. Yeah, I'm glad because things like Miracast can be really... Uh, hokey depending on which device you have and which team like it's kind of the stars have to align for it all to work properly so it's always <laughs> nice i've had many cases like that where it's like i could use this but i feel like it's not going to work because there's going to be some link in the chain that's not uh, approved so I i've worried about that before but yeah that is a super nice option and i, I like how you also mentioned the xbox app in the article too because that is really nice um that's if you have an Xbox, just like if you have a PlayStation or whatever, the the official app is really nice just for installing games and remote streaming and things like that. Now, what are the top seven signs of a phishing scam? Now, a phishing email, that's the one that uh, looks like a real email that then persuades you into um, clicking a link, putting your credentials in, and uh, then someone controlling the um, server of that website then um, pinches your details and uses them on your behalf only 
not on your behalf because you don't get anything from it. Uh, there are many fraudulent messages coming into Im email inboxes every day. Now, I have far too many email accounts. All of those email accounts have phishing messages coming in. Now, if you're fortunate enough to be using a email client or a web app that will catch phishing scams, then that's great because that reduces the incidence. But there's still going to be more that you're going to get. Most phishing scams take place via email, so you need to be vigilant about who you're communicating with. And that means checking the addresses of the people sending you emails. Often, the addresses are absolute nonsense, and that's a key uh, highlight. Uh, you know, that's a key sign that that is a phishing scam. So, for instance, um, it might be something that's spelt incorrectly. For instance, if I got an email off Gavin, um, Gavin's email address is gavin at makeuseof.com, and I don't think I'm giving anything away there, am I? <laughs> no. And um, and the make use of was spelled maybe with uh, a zero for of rather than an O. Then that would be a giveaway that that is a fake email address and therefore not the real sender. Therefore, there's a scam involved here. Another sign is text errors in the body of the email. Uh, this might be grammatical errors, but these are glaring grammatical errors usually. Uh, you can use a spell checking tool to um, scan an email for errors. And that, if you find the errors, then again, that's a likely a phishing scam. That might just be an email from a child or someone who isn't that adept at writing or whatever. Uh, so, you know, you, you need to use a bit of, uh, bit of uh, common sense there. If it is someone you're expecting an email from and there's uh, typos and grammatical errors in it, then that's probably just par for the course. Uh, messages that claim to be urgent they're often scams. Messages with urgent attachments, or speaking about unusual attachments, they're almost certainly scams. No one you don't know should be sending you an email with an attachment. Hmm. Um, PDFs, JPEGs, uh, CSVs, BMPs, Docs, DocX, um, XEs, VBS, WSF, CPL, CMD, um, just ignore those. And, and if it's something you are expecting, then that's okay. But make sure you're using a virus checker to check the link, uh, check the downloaded file, I beg your pardon. If it's an email that you're not expecting from a company that you don't have any business with or an individual you don't have any previous business with, then it is best uh, deleted and ignored. Uh, links in phishing scams are usually malicious, so use a link checking website. Uh, there is a great link to link checking websites in the article that we're discussing at the moment and of course this article and everything else we've discussed in the really useful podcast this week you'll find in the show notes uh if an email is asking for sensitive information hit delete there's no way anyone should be asking you for sensitive information through email they either have it because you've already submitted a web form or filled out a paper form or they're a scammer and finally your email provider flags an email as spam it's almost certainly spam, so get rid of it because it is not a genuine email. It is probably some kind of criminal enterprise and you don't need it. Uh, scams, phishing scams. Gavin, have you ever been caught? Uh, I've never been caught, I must say, because I am so vigilant, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I've, I've never, thankfully, never been caught, um, actually, because I do follow most of the things written out on this list. Yeah. Uh, and having written about 
purity for many years you do you do look for all of these things you just it just becomes kind of ingrained in you to check uh, i mean this really is like the the key set of things that everybody should do um especially number one is just so important the unusual sender address when you go into gmail outlook thunderbird whatever email application you use it will be able to show you the email address where the email is sent from whether it shows you it instantly or you maybe need to hover over the sent bar or the from bar or whatever to bring up the actual address that's going to be your key key indicator as to where that email came from if it says it the email says oh we're from amazon support and we need your information it will say something like Amazon support 48129 Upsilon hyphen blah 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 and you know that clearly Amazon are not going to be sending you an email from such a weird address uh, and more to the point Amazon are never going to contact you directly anyway that just doesn't happen and that's the <laughs> second biggest thing yeah <laughs> but for all of these big tech companies that is the biggest thing they're yeah. never contacting you first you contact them first and that gets the help process rolling normally they're never emailing you to say you have a problem with your account can we have your details it doesn't work like that no absolutely we will uh, conclude our tips and tricks with a look at raspberry pi projects for beginners if you don't know what a raspberry pi project is, or if you don't know what a raspberry pi computer is i should say um it's been around for around 10 years now is a compact credit card sized computer that you can do lots of things with, from building a media center to uh, running your own space program. I just not. There are many projects that you can use to get started with the Raspberry Pi. It also doubles as a standard computer as well. You could, you know, um, if any of you work from home and you dial in to uh, Citrix or any other sort of uh, virtualization system like that, the Raspberry Pi can handle that. Certainly the Raspberry Pi 4 models. Uh, at least it is an incredibly versatile little device and it does a lot more besides there if you're just getting hold of one and you wanted to play around with some of its non-computing features i've compiled a list of 10 things that you could do the first thing you could add a button to the raspberry pi because incredibly even now 10 years later the standard raspberry pi does not come with a power button you just could yank the cable out. You can just yank the cable out, although it, because it has a micro SD card, it's safer to just type a command to shut oh, down okay. so it does it safely. Otherwise, you end up corrupting your data. Uh, you can control LED lights with the Raspberry Pi. You can build a Pi powered motion sensor and alarm. Now, you could use that in anger, as it were, as your own security system, or you could just use it as an, uh, as an appreciation of how those such systems work. You can add any type of button to the Raspberry Pi. It doesn't have to be a power button. It could just be a button that uh, just does something. It has a list, a, a collection of pins, an array of uh, 40 pins called GPIO that uh, controls all manner of things. And uh, you can even use a Raspberry Pi to make your old non-wireless printer wireless. You can make music with a Raspberry Pi with a piece of software called Sonic Pi. You can build a network game server. You can host Minecraft games. You can host Quake games and many other types of games besides. With the Raspberry Pi 4 and the Raspberry Pi 400, which is basically a Raspberry Pi 4 inside a keyboard, 
you can connect dual 4K monitors. You can use a Raspberry Pi to build a cryptocurrency price ticker. In fact, it doesn't have to be cryptocurrency price ticker. It could be any currency price ticker, any kind of news ticker as well, if you've got a suitable feed. And you can even give your Raspberry Pi its own display rather than plug it into HDMI using just an Android tablet, uh, using uh, virtual remote software. Uh, VNC software. So, yeah, I mean, th those are all basic things you can do with the Raspberry Pi. There's a far more uh, advanced things that you can do as well. From time to time on the Really Useful Podcast, we like to share with you a recommendation. Now, I'm in the middle of reviewing a new dash cam, and it's come to my attention that dash cam manufacturers don't seem to appreciate the practical requirements of a dash cam. Some do, and some do it really well. Others don't. Uh, I'm looking at a 4 cam, yeah, big pun. I'm looking at a 4K dash cam at the moment. I've installed it in my car, and, you know, it installs well and it appears to run well. The problem is that the cables are a bit of a pain. Now, you know, there are several steps to installing a dash cam in your car. First, you check if the camera has an internal battery and charge it beforehand. You establish the best position for the dash cam. You compare this with access to the power supply, measure out your cable, then route and hide the cable. It's simple. But if dash cam manufacturers don't make it simple, then it can be a bit of a problem. Now, the issue I have with this dash cam is that... It has a rear section, um, a rear camera. So there's double the uh, routing of cables through the car. That's not the problem. The problem is with the cables. There are two ports on the top of the dash cam as it's mounted on the windscreen. One of these is an L-shaped USB Type-C cable. The other one is more of a standard data power cable. But it is an L-shaped. And they're too close together. So thereby you are forced to route the cables or route the cables in a particular direction off the windscreen and then into the uh, lining of your uh, car's uh, haberdashery. It's, it's stupid. It's short-sighted. Either both cables should be L-shaped or both cables should be straight. Because of the distance between the two ports, having one being L-shaped and one being straight, or both being L-shaped, I suppose, in some ways. Uh, it's it's inconvenient. It's almost incompatible with keeping a dash cam mounted in a responsible way that keeps the cables out of the view sight of the, um, the driver. And, I mean, there probably is another thing I need to complain about here, is the number of dash cams I've come across over the past few years that have stopped including a very important device, um, a clip, an adhesive clip. Uh, I can't remember. I mean, I have I must have reviewed five or six dash cams to make use of over the years, and I've had a bit of a break, so I was doing so many of them. This is the first dash cam I've reviewed in a long time. And little adhesive clips for the wires to attach to your windscreen, again, for safety purposes, to keep the wires out of the view of the driver, run them around the windscreen, whatever. 
if they're not included, then you've got an extra purchase to make before you can mount the dash cam. And given how important dash cams are to uh, managing safety on the road and, you know, useful for um, car insurance providers as well in uh, apportioning blame correctly and helping with claims, having those wires carefully arranged so that they don't interfere with your line of view, your eyes, uh, your, your sight as you drive, omitting them just seems short-sighted and stupid. Now, in this case, I picked up a bag of, I think, 50, 30, 40, 50 clips for five or six pounds. Now, you might say, well, that's pretty inexpensive. I would argue, yes, that is pretty inexpensive, so why can't the dash cam manufacturers include, I don't know, half a dozen? That would do the trick. So I guess what I'm saying is dash cam manufacturers design the ports on your cameras better and don't forget the adhesive clips. Hashtag dash cam rant. Now, over the past few weeks, you may well have noticed that I have been largely alone in recording the really useful podcast, apart from the little kit clips that feature uh, Ben and Gavin. Um, fortunately, normal service will be resumed next week um, when I'll be joined by Gavin or Ben, we'll decide shortly, and bring you a really useful podcast full of completely 100% original material. Until then, please take the opportunity to share the podcast far and wide with uh, whoever you think would benefit from what we've discussed in the show. If you know someone who would really need to know about casting to xbox from their phone for example share it with them and if you could give us a like and a review on apple podcast that would be absolutely marvelous too and let us know that you've done that and we'll read out your review you can get in touch with us through the link on the uh, on facebook when the podcast is shared there or contact myself or my co-hosts via twitter the links to us are in the show notes until next time, it's goodbye from us.